This is episode 571 of the AWS podcast, released on February 13, 2023. G'day, Simon here asking for a favor. We love to get your feedback and we really want to find out how we can make the podcast even better for all of our regular listeners. So take a moment and fill out the very short survey from the link in the show notes. Really appreciate it. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. It's Simon Lee with you. Great to have you back. And I'm joined by two very special guests today. Firstly, I'm joined by Angie Gould, who's Manager of Product Management for the AWS Data Lab. Welcome to the podcast, Angie. Thanks so much for having me. Great to have you here. And I'm also joined by Hunter Carlisle, who's the Manager of Solution Architects at the very same Data Lab. Welcome to the podcast, Hunter. Thank you very much, Simon. Glad to be here as well. Now, we have uh, something really interesting to talk about today, something a little different that I'm guessing many of our listeners would not know about. So we're going to start at the start, which is always the best place to start with things, and deconstruct what it is we're talking about and what customers can get from it. So we are going to talk about the AWS Data Lab. Now, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I think of labs, my mind immediately goes to Muppet Labs, and I'm thinking about Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and Beaker. Um, So just Bear that in mind, both of you, that that's my mental model now. <laughs> so, but, uh, but Angie, help us understand, what is the AWS Data Lab? It is an accelerator program for customers who are focused on developing solutions on AWS, but most importantly, being hands-on in that process. So we help customers design architectures. We help customers build prototypes that are really designed to help them get through those early stages of solution development where honestly, it can sometimes feel like there are more questions uh, than answers. And you know, imagine you are a customer and you have this business challenge in front of you. Maybe, I don't know, maybe your executive leadership team has mandated a move to the cloud by a set date or um, your supply chain leadership want to capitalize on the data that's available to them or the trends that they've seen in the market to stop running out of stuff mm-hmm. in their warehouses. You know, they, they tend to look to their data and engineering teams to solve those problems. And when you are that team of, of developers and you're looking at a cloud provider as mature as AWS, where the options can feel endless, but in a really good way. Um, it can sometimes feel daunting. Yeah, it can sometimes feel daunting uh, to know where to get started. So we help customers navigate that process. And I think on there, I think you touched on something really important is that often a lot of folks will think, well, if I've got a data problem, the answer is I need a data lake. And the answer is almost never you need a data lake. The answer is let's understand the business problem you're trying to solve for. Exactly. And, and what you've been doing at the data lab is, is really focused on understanding the customer use case and helping them solve for the problem, isn't it? It really drives from that. Exactly. And that's one of the biggest things that we spend time with customers on in the early phases before they're actually getting hands-on and building. It's spending time with the customer to work backwards from that from that business challenge. And oftentimes it's it's easy or even tempting to want to dive into the technical pieces and try to solution it all out. But if we can really understand the business challenge that they're trying to solve for, that helps us work backwards from everything and really get them that solution that will not only help solve for that solution, but ideally be long-term solving for as well. Mm-hmm. 
And and so in the the method that you use with the customers, you're you're really not just helping them get an outcome. You're you're teaching them that working backwards method, which is basically starting at the, the a deep understanding of customer requirements and working backwards from those, rather than building a thing and expecting the customer to to do it. So they're, they're learning it. They're learning a lot along the way. Exactly, and that's our goal. You know, we want the customer to not only solve for that use case that they've brought us, but by teaching them how to think about the architecture and think about making decisions between certain services based on what they're trying to accomplish. The goal is that when they leave, they not only have the the prototype that they worked on, but they have the skills to feel comfortable bringing it to production and then start thinking about how they can apply those skills to other use cases on their roadmap or other use Mm. cases across their organization. And and it's interesting. You touched on sort of that phrase when they leave. Now that sort of in, in implies there's a, a focus period here. And I think if we think about knowledge work in general and creativity in particular, long periods of uninterrupted work is kind of the only way to get an outcome. So so this is very much about that focus. How do you help folks be focused? It can be a tough one to sell at the beginning. Honestly, we're I mean we're all so busy in the day to day. It can be hard to help customers feel comfortable sending a team of of four to eight builders away from their day job, shut down their email, hyper-focus on on the solution. But I think that prep work where we're we're diving in and we're helping them see what they will be able to develop if they focus that time with us over, again, a a set period of time. It's, It's not months we're asking for. It's typically a handful of days. They really see the value. And then when they've gone through it and they've actually left the lab with a prototype we see customers come back all the time who are eager to take on the next use case. And, and Angie, you've used that phrase prototype a couple of times, and I'm guessing that's not an accident because often often folks will talk about, well, show me the art of the possible or can we do for proof of concept? But you're using the phrase prototype. Help, help us understand what you mean by that. That's It's a, a big keyword for us and how we think about prototype as opposed to like a proof of concept. What customers are building in the lab with us is something that's intended for them to keep building upon post-lab. They're not throwing it away. They actually, because they're building it in their own AWS account with their own data during the lab, the prototype, what it means to us is they get to bring that solution with them. They get to continue hardening it post-lab and actually bring that to production versus scrap it and try to build it again once they get Mm. home. So it's not a toy, it's the thing. <laughs> yeah, it's the thing. So help us understand, maybe maybe let's, you know, almost like play the tinkle music of going back in time. How did the AWS Data Lab start, but more importantly, how did it evolve over time? We actually started as a pilot uh, in 2018 where we are working backwards from a gap that we saw in customer enablement. So we are seeing customers who, you know, they had really good business challenges that they're trying to solve for. They had teams internally who were eager to start building. They had the budget, they had the sponsorship, they had everything really ready to go, but they were looking for that guidance on how to actually do it the right way and do it quickly. We know speed is typically of the essence when, Mm. when customers are trying to solve for, for challenges. And the thing about, you know, building solutions, right? You inevitably need to work with more than one service to actually create this solution. And while 
across AWS and across our customers too, you can find really brilliant people who can go really deep into a particular service or a particular even domain of services where the hurdle is that we are finding is that the hurdle is stitching the services together in the right way to actually get the outputs that would make that project deemed a success by the business. So that's how we got started, honestly, coming across that gap in enablement and putting together an engagement model that pairs a team of customer with a team of AWS technical resources and helping customers essentially navigate that art of stitching services together into solutions. It's it's amazing how if you can get the the right folks in the room with the right amount of time to dedicate to the to the to the problem domain, magic happens. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's so refreshing, and we're not talking huge teams here. Like this is not hundreds of people coming together. This is like a small team, isn't it? It's almost like two pizza team type stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's four to eight max. That's been the sweet spot we've found over time. And honestly, to your point, one of the biggest pieces of feedback we get is shock and surprise that they were able to build that much that quickly with that few few number of people it's 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 the the magic that all software developers know which is a concept of flow and flow is that beautiful state that you get into when you're not disturbed by other things and it takes about two hours to get into flow and it takes one minute to be disrupted from flow which is why why most developers have noise cancelling headphones but, um, <laughs> but angie angie tell us about the, you know the, the 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 offerings that there are because obviously as you've gone through this experience you've understood what what the time domain that customers can afford is, what gets a good result? What are the what are the offerings you have? Our very first offering has stuck with us since the beginning of time. It's our build lab. This is a very dev intensive engineering engagement. It consists of four, typically four, um, consistent days or consecutive days of building work where we have that team of 48 builders, paired with a dedicated data lab architect, and they're going through build sprints to create their prototype. That's where we got our start. And then over time, over the years, we started to get asks from customers who, for all intents and purposes, met all of those other big checkboxes for us. You know, they had a, a, a real business challenge, they had teams allocated to it but they weren't quite ready to just jump in and start building. They wanted to hit that architecture milestone first. Mm. And so out of that, we created our second offering, which is the design lab. And then further, as we kept going and working with more customers, we saw this trend of, of customers who needed guidance, not just at the individual project level, but at that overarching data strategy level, they're, trying to figure out how do they move their their large organizations down a path of modernization. And so we then created our third offering, which is Resident Architect, to help uh, more at the executive level tackle those those larger challenges of modernization. Nice. So, so kind of there's, there's choices between sort of are we on the whiteboard and then hitting the keyboard? Are we just on the whiteboard? Or are you kind of just going to be, you know, sitting with me having coffees a lot, talking about stuff. (laughs) It's kind of like different flavors. (laughs) It is. Different flavors, different levels. Um, Exactly. Hunter, let me come to you and and help us understand a little bit more about the the specific use cases. You know, we sort of waved our arms around and gone, data, (laughs) which, which, you know, helps us sort of get a broad view. But let's, let's dive into some detail here. What kind of use cases does the AWS Data Lab support? 
Absolutely, yeah. So the data lab, you know, uh, we we kind of started in the analytics and uh, data lake use case area. Um, so uh, a lot of our initial labs that we led over the the first year or so were primarily, you know, helping customers build, you know, scalable data lakes that had, you know, strong permissions in place and, you know had the ability to have very powerful analytics, uh, reporting and analysis, uh, you know, processed against that data. But we've since grown into um, other spaces, um, initially within the data world. So, you know, we uh, branched out pretty quickly into artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, and, you know, we have done a, a large number of successful labs uh, in the AI and ML space. Um, we've also, you know, branched into purpose-built databases, things like graph databases, like Amazon Neptune, um, and, you know, uh, column-oriented databases like uh, Amazon Redshift. We also more recently have gotten into things like search uh, with the Amazon Open Search service and things like containers and, and DevOps. And, you know, we're really starting to push kind of uh, the boundaries of, of uh, what we can do. And, you know, it's been an interesting evolution because every different technical area that, that we've branched into, you know, has allowed us to see our process um, in different ways. And every different technical area requires a, a slightly different approach. Um, and mm. the participants from the customer side are also going to be, you know, slightly different personas, you know, in, in AIML labs, for example, you're often working with a team that is kind of a 50-50 mix of maybe engineering and, and DevOps type folks, uh, as well as uh, data scientists. In a graph database lab, it might be a, a mix of, you know, analysts who are trying to extract meaning from the data, as well as the engineers. So it's it's been an interesting evolution for us to see, you know, what, how far we can push this. And really, you know, we haven't, I think, found, you know, any limit yet to, you know, where customers can get value out of this engagement model. So. And it's interesting because you, you you really are helping people change mental models. I mean, you know, doing analysis of data using graph databases versus relational, for example, is a, it's a completely different beast, and you have to think differently. And it, it to be honest, it hurts <laughs> at the start. It's like my brain is hurting because I'm unlearning and relearning. But help us help us put some meat on some of these. Can you give us some examples of of customer engagements, for example, in the, in that quote unquote traditional, very typical data lake and analytics world? What are some of the things you see? A lot of times when, when customers are, are coming to us to work on, you know, something that you would say is maybe more of that traditional analytics or data lake space, they're, they're usually looking to scale up the existing infrastructure that they might have. You know, often they're not fully aware of, you know, all of the, the tools that have evolved in the past couple of years um, and all of the techniques that are, that are making data lakes much more scalable and successful. So things like um, you know, change data capture with file formats like the the Apache hoodie file format and things like, um, you know, governance tools like lake formation, AWS lake formation. These tools, integrating them in the, the correct way and helping customers understand why um, they should be used and how to use them effectively is one of the things that um, we we do really well with within those data lake builds. And a lot of times customers come out of that engagement, that those four days, with a very solid foundation that they can then start opening up to you know other teams and other organizations so we can really help them affect their larger data strategy and take something that you know maybe uh, one small team within the customer organization is driving and and really allow them to quickly start influencing 
a lot of other teams that might be producing or consuming data that might live within that data lake. And that that interface between the producer and consumer is, is is so critical, and we're seeing that that organizations that are successful with their data strategies have that that concept, and and this can really help. But let's let's maybe then jump into the, the classic question. This is a question I get quite often, which is interesting. Is is people often ask, well, what are people actually doing with artificial intelligence and machine learning? So, what are, what are some examples you can share that people really really do? We've seen you know a lot of really really fascinating use cases and. Some some recent labs that we've done with customers, you know, we've worked with professional sports teams who are, you know, kind of doing real time analysis um, as you know the ball is moving across the field uh, to to predict you know the likelihood that uh, a certain play or activity might be successful. Uh, we also are working you know with financial services institutions that are looking at predicting fraud in real time you know, on, on various events within their, their platform. Within artificial intelligence and machine learning, it's, it's very interesting in that, you know, every customer is at a, a different place in their maturity. And, you know, some organizations have very large, well-established data science teams that are able to produce, you know, algorithms and, and models to solve their business use cases very effectively. And, you know, they often are struggling with how do we get those trained models, you know, out of a data scientist notebook and into, you know, a production production. pipeline or into an application. And, you know, that's where we can really shine, you know, helping those teams help their data scientists learn enough, you know, DevOps or MLOps skills um, and and understand the tooling that Amazon SageMaker and, you know, other AWS offerings provide so that they can effectively build those applications that uh, can uh, scale, but also allow them to focus on the, the high value data science work that they want to be doing. We have other organizations that, you know, maybe they are newer into the uh, the AI and ML space, and they often, you know, are looking at how can we, you know, we we understand that there's a possibility we can maybe answer some business questions or uh, get deeper insights to our data with AI and ML, uh, but they don't know where to start. So things like the higher level AI services like uh, Amazon Textract, Amazon Comprehend, those services often are well within reach and. You know, you can have a, a very successful project built, a prototype built with a team of maybe data engineers and data analysts um, without that deep data science expertise. And we help customers at every stage in their journey with these these projects of that nature. It's so been really fun. Uh, I was just going to say, it's been really fun to see customers go through that journey where we have a customer join for their first lab and we're really focused on that data lake. We're focused on helping them centralize their data. And then once their data is sitting in one place, they start to realize all of the ways that they can use it to unlock other opportunities to innovate. So to Hunter's point, being able to use some of those managed AI services doesn't seem that far away anymore once their data is sitting in one place and being able to work with them throughout that journey has been really cool. The mystery is kind of gone. And that, that highlights something that I think is really amazing about our process is it's very holistic to, you know, not just the task at hand, um, but the larger strategic view and vision uh, of data and ML at those customers. You know, so often when we're in a, a four-day build lab, you know, working on maybe a machine learning pipeline, we'll identify that, hey, there are some opportunities to establish a stronger, you know, data lake foundation for your, your teams to 
do some exploratory data analysis. And, you know, it'll often end up spinning off into a, a second lab engagement a month or two later to, you know, build out uh, more of a robust data lake infrastructure. Or, you know, maybe we'll, we'll realize that, hey, there's an opportunity here to optimize some of these queries by using, you know, Amazon Redshift instead of, you know, a Postgres database. And because we touch, you know, pretty much everything within the data landscape, everything is within our purview, our architects get much broader exposure and, and can see those patterns um, across many, many different services. You know, it's not uncommon, you know, to be in a, a machine learning lab and, you know, spend one or two hours of, of that lab optimizing Redshift queries. You know, so it's, it's a really fantastic opportunity for the customers, you know, also to, to help drive some of their larger strategic mm. discussions within the organization. Well, well, and, and I guess that's the thing is they, they know what they need to get done. They may not know the how, but they're going to know what they need to get done. But maybe let's, let's think about it from a, from a, a customer standpoint. If, I, if I'm, a, a, I'm a customer coming to engage with the AWS Data Lab, am I, uh, is it in your accounts? Is it in my account? How much time do I allocate? Like, give us, give us that flavor of kind of like what's, what's the, the week like? The customer team is, as Angie said, usually four to eight builders from the customer side. And they're all going to be hands-on keyboard type folks. So, so typically they're going to be engineers, you know, team leads, uh, folks that are going to roll up their sleeves and, and get their hands dirty during the week. So the, the week itself, we typically schedule about four days. So, so there are four full days, eight-hour days. And we request that they, they block their entire calendar and you know, don't allow themselves to kind of get pulled away for, for any outside meetings or anything. When they join, the, the first day of the lab, the build lab is typically a little bit more design discussion, you know, scoping, you know, ensuring that we, we have a, a clear goal you know, for the four days uh, of the prototype and we've established what the success criteria are. Those things, we also work with the customers leading up to the lab. We usually spend uh, anywhere between four or five weeks to scope some of that out leading up to the lab. But, you know, that first day is a little bit more architecture design discussion. And then very quickly, uh, usually at the end of the first day or on the start of the second day, we, we dive into hands-on engineering work. Often we'll split customers into teams of maybe two or three engineers that are working on different tasks in parallel. And the, the role of the data lab architect in the room is to be the, the kind of guide, you know, at times pair programming partner, um, helping debug issues, making sure, you know, to your, your point earlier about flow, the data lab architect is to make sure that everyone who's participating kind of maintains that state of flow and that everyone has a good understanding of what they need to be doing in their individual work streams, but also how it contributes to the larger prototype build plan. It's very hands-on, very directed. Um, in some cases, the customer directs some of the uh, the, the engineering efforts, uh, but often the data lab architect themselves is you know the one that's looking at the tasks um, at hand and and helping align the right customer builders to those tasks in the room to make sure that they can they can uh, be accomplished. So it's kind of like a hyper experience of, of forming a team and getting a job done. Like it's really it sounds intense, but in a good way. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's one of the biggest pieces of feedback I often receive while I'm leading these labs is intense in a good way. You know, the, the customers 
they, they get a, a lot of value out of the engagement. It can be at times very mentally draining because when you're dedicated and you know, <laughs> it's hard work, on something for eight hours straight, you know, it's, 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 it's hard hurts. work. And, you know, so that's why we don't typically schedule Fridays. Um, we, we usually do Monday to Thursdays so that on that Friday, the customers can kind of, you know, decompress a little bit and, uh, and uh, kind of think things through, you know, it's, it's a very targeted focused exercise. And one of the, another interesting thing is, you know, it, we try to punctuate it with different um, expert sessions. So if we've got um, the build is focused on, um, you know, a data lake build, we might bring in someone from the AWS lake formation team, uh, a PM from that team to spend an hour or so diving deeper with the customer and shedding some, some insight into the best use of that service, for example, if, if that's a component in the architecture. So there's often a really great opportunity for customers to also get access to other AWS service experts that uh, maybe they don't always interact with very, very frequently. That's fantastic. And, and so Angie, what, what are the customer outcomes? Like what, what do you get at the end? What do they get? When they leave our build lab, they actually get to walk away with an end-to-end prototype solution that they've built in their own accounts. They take that with them. They also get uh, a post-lab report that the Data Lab Architect authors in the days following the lab to help with that summary. Like Hunter said, it's, it's, it's a fast four days. You're doing a lot. So the architect will be taking notes, summarizing discussion points and decision points and if-ands if they're comparing two different services for maybe two different um, patterns. So they'll walk away with the prototype as well as um, that post-lab report. And then, of course, all the learnings and relationships that they've built throughout that time together. For our design labs, because there's no building, it's that discussion-based engagement, they receive a, a report as well that documents our recommended architectures based on you know, the business challenges that they're looking to um, build towards. And I think what's interesting about that is, is that desire to make it actually a real thing in their business. Because I think a lot of leaders and executives are kind of tired of science experiments if I can put it that way it's mm-hmm. like give me something that I can put in front of my customers give me give me a path to production and, and your team's very like laser focused on that aren't they it's like th- this has to be something that could go they could use not just think about we are and that's where we uh, differentiate a bit there's there's so many resources and programs across AWS that can be really focused on um, creating a POC or testing out different services or taking a training. And those are often precursory steps that customers will go through to feel really comfortable about the services and do their initial testing to feel confident with moving forward. And then when they're really ready to focus on the actual solution, that's where Data Lab is a really nice point in their overall journey. And how does it differ, though, from, from I guess, AWS professional services? You know, we, we have an organization that's great at working with customers and partners to, to build stuff. How does, this, how does this differ? It really comes down to the propensity to build. ProServe is a fantastic offering for customers who are looking to outsource the building work, the dev work, whereas Data Lab is a really great avenue for customers who want to be hands-on in the development and the creation of the solution. 
they'll be the ones building. We'll be over their shoulder and we'll be guiding, but it's really custom fit for the customers who want to get right into it and be part of that architecture and actual solution build. That's very cool. Now, now, Hunter, you touched on before some of the, the feedback you get from customers. I'm going to, I'm going to come to both of you because I think it's always illustrative to hear what folks say after that, you know, two or five day experience uh, together. What's some of the feedback you've gotten that really sticks with you? Often the feedback I, I get from them is, you know, it, it, it's really an opportunity for them to reevaluate how they approach engineering tasks. As Angie mentioned earlier, they're often skeptical when they, when they see, you know, the architecture and the plan and that we're going to be trying to build it out in four days. They're often very <laughs> like, skeptical. This can never work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that. Or, you know, there's no way you can do that in just four days. And, you know, at the end of it, the folks that are often the most skeptical are the ones that are like, wow, this really opened my eyes into, you know, a different way of approaching these things. And, mm. you know, if you have the right structure and the right support pieces in place, you can really rapidly discover, you know, what works well and what doesn't work well. Every architecture is perfect in theory. And then as soon as you, you plug your real data and, and your real you know, use case into that architecture, you often find that you know, what you thought was going to work really well maybe you know, needs to be refactored a little bit um, or you need to use a, a different approach. <laughs> that journey between the whiteboard and the keyboard is fraught with difficulty. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Angie, what are some of the things you hear from folks? What do they say to you at the end? Confidence is a huge theme that I hear as well, the time savings bit as well. Um, so not only that, you know, the, the shock and surprise of how much they were able to accomplish in four days, but truly what comes when they think about what they just did in comparison to the entire roadmap that they had planned for that solution. They thought that embarking on this project was going to take them six months or eight months, and now they've shaved off four months by only attributing a couple of weeks to it. And so that bit, just watching customers realize how just capable and empowered they are to take the solution forward, that comes through in almost every single lab feedback that we get. And we like to pull every customer after their engagement so that we can continually learn as well. And that's one of the biggest themes that we see. We use data to make the Adibus data lab better. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> Angie, how do folks reach out if they want to engage with the Adibus data lab? How do they do that? Yeah, the best way to reach us is through customers' AWS account teams. And if you're not familiar with who your dedicated account team is, AWS Sales is a perfect avenue. We have a website um, with a way to reach out. Fantastic. Angie, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing us a little bit of uh, information about behind the covers of AWS Data Lab. Absolutely. This has been fun. And Hunter, thank you for helping us understand what it's all about and what really happens. And it sounds pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.